This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Sharad Kutin, and you're listening to Night School, the show that explores key themes in history, the social sciences, and the humanities. We critically unpack theories, frameworks, and social phenomena to better understand how society works. Each week, we discuss a classic text, theme, or an idea we hope will shed light on the world around you. This week, Ahmad Fuad Rahmat discusses sculpture, ceramics, and material culture with Albert Setiawad. He's an Indonesian artist who's currently completing his PhD at the Ceramics Department in Kyoto Seika University, Japan. Albert starts the discussion by defining what we mean by material culture. Yeah, material culture is... Uh, so what we learn in, 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 in university when we learn about ceramics art is actually very much different from material cultures because the material cultures, for example, if in Indonesia we have our own ceramics traditions and there's a couple of pottery village. Uh, if you go to the to the village and then you'll see lots of pots or you know like just handmade stuff made of ceramics, that is actually material culture mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. all the people who made it, all the people who created the stuff, they're not fully aware whether this is all oh, this is a piece of artworks mm-hmm. that contains certain message but all the objects can be a gateway I think can be quite useful to understand how people build their own life for example how mm-hmm. cultures been developed to a certain period of time yeah what I'm interested in now is actually concerning to material culture is like because I'm currently based in Japan and this is actually something different to my own research mm-hmm. but I'm always interested in the porcelain cultures in East Asia, Japan, Taiwan, mm. China, and Korea, and the terracotta cultures, mm-hmm. the red clay, the low-fired clay mm-hmm. in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. I read uh, one article about a research concerning about porcelain, how porcelain was developed in China in 15 centuries, I think, 14 mm-hmm. to 15 centuries. So Chinese potters uh, used to use terracotta clay also. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar, the mm-hmm. first Chinese emperor who created the terracotta mm-hmm. army, yeah. warriors, it was made of red clay. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they managed to invent, to develop the more high-tech ceramic kilns, high-fire kilns, they abandoned all the terracotta. Mm-hmm. So they moved into a more solid, more hard, high-fire ceramic. So... I think I have to explain a little yeah. bit about that. No, but the, uh, I think before we get into the technicalities yeah, okay. of it, maybe we can just yeah. uh, can expand on what the concept yeah. uh, refers yeah. to because there is a sense in which you can say all things is part of material culture. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think your interest is pointing out to the manual process of making yes. these things. I think yes. that's what you're pointing out in the sense yes. that there is a direct connection between the person and the stuff that is yeah. supposed to symbolize the culture, right? So. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Like, what do you find interesting about the physical process of producing yeah. this this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that is actually uh, an interesting part. Also, what I've always been conscious about the handmade process, mm-hmm. the handiworks. So, one of the reason why all these ceramics that were being made in pottery village is not considered as art because it's so handicraft. You know, the mm-hmm. term handicraft is so low and it's just not art. Yeah, it's underappreciated, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 But I'm actually interested, but it's actually, there's a, a certain aesthetic, I think, to it. How, in looking at how these people work, 
and maintain then their energy and mm. their dedication how they are dedicated to work mm-hmm. maybe it's not much about dedication also because they have to work mm-hmm. their labors mm-hmm. they have to go to work they have to do these things but like somehow they manage to to make thi- one thing the same thing over and over again with the same energy with the same concentration mm-hmm. which for me is actually It's a beautiful process. Yeah, there's a temporal element as well because yeah. that sort of process was what it took to make anything prior to yeah. the modern era before yeah. things became industrialized and the production became impersonal a lot of ways yeah. because they just went through machinery and yeah. everything was uniform. Yeah. But what you're pointing out is that there's almost like a personal connection with yeah. each moment of the process, right? Yes, that's, that's yeah. true. One of my favorite ceramic artists called Grayson Perry. He's a ceramist. But he learned other stuff also. He, he did prints. He did textile. He mm-hmm. did performance. He did. Uh, he's quite. He's not. Uh, I mean, he did like he wear women's dress, mm-hmm. and he he keeps wearing the dress for like, a certain period of time, like for one month, for like uh, a week. So he do a lot of stuffs. Mm-hmm. When in one of his work, he was talking about craftsmanship in the digital age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wrote that in one of his work. He's always like put a lot of emphasis on on that on the handiworks being connected to materials mm-hmm. being connected to clay to textile to papers to anything that we can touch so the tactility of the process yeah. and that's increasingly eroding because now we just 3D print everything yeah right? yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. you get more precision there but what i gather from you is that the tactility there's a sort of raw contact with the stuff that is almost liberating or something in the sense that yeah. you can have that physical conversation with the yeah, process that yeah. 3D printers can't offer, right? Yeah. Because you work in the artistic context, can you maybe compare how this might differ from, say, painting, right? Because my sister's a painter and she's described it to me once that yeah. it's really a grueling process. You have a huge canvas, mm-hmm. you want to get every part right, like you got to right, get the right posture, the right kind of like temperament, uh, you can't breathe too much because then the brush might shake a little more or something. Yep. So yep. all art is already manual and physical well not yeah. all art but a lot of it yeah. is right so how does ceramics then differ compared to these other forms yeah it's interesting because if you go for example to Potter Village you'll see people trying to make the same object over and over uh, and try to get perfections right even though like you will know that it's not perfect like not every object's perfect it's not machine but in paintings somehow like they rejected the idea of handicrafts which mm-hmm. like oh you make things with your hands mm-hmm. you know like you go into a laborious process and then went into a certain process and then it's just so difficult to express uh, one ideas using craft materials mm-hmm. in paintings you get the immediacy like when you feel mm-hmm. for example like this is a very basic when you feel oh i feel angry i can just shoot certain colors and then you splash it to my my, right, my painting right. and it's a handiwork also right mm-hmm. so what I'm like it's weird because the, in paintings like they value handwork they mm-hmm. value the immediacy of touching and using right, the paint right. and you know, you're gonna be like being with the canvas yeah but somehow they don't consider this other practice who value handiworks also but because they're not paintings yeah because yeah. paintings contains a lot of history have a long history in art yeah. like they're in the top list of like when you yeah. think about art it's painting yep yeah it's not ceramics i like the point where you talk about the immediacy that's yeah. supposedly more authentic well that's what yeah. they say right but yeah. this supposedly too denigrates the kind of material yeah. pottery ceramic stuff yeah. because it's repetitious right you can't yeah. keep on repeating the mona lisa then yeah. there's no value yeah. but it seems to me that there might be a value in repeating Uh, the ceramics every time because it's not actually the same every time, right? Yes, because yes. there's always some other element that goes into the second yeah. time, the third time around. So 
What do you find to be valuable about repetition? Yes, for me, it's a way of being conscious of where you are and what you are doing and it's a way of also to connect with the world i think to repeat like in in semiotics i think in mm-hmm. like there's the term redundancy mm-hmm. like when certain messages or images are being repeated and so the more it the image is being repeated the less the images become you know like a new has mm-hmm. contain a mm-hmm. new message to the audience but i think the opposite i mean like i don't completely agree to that thing because for me like repetitions is actually It's like it's a meditative process, mm-hmm. like contemplating mm-hmm. on something and being fully aware of what you are doing. Because mm-hmm. our life actually are, are a set of repetitions. Yeah. Yeah. Like we wake up in the morning, we sleep at night. We always have. Of course, there's a lot of variations in between, mm-hmm. but there's there's always a certain routine, right? Mm-hmm. Like you wake up at the same time every day. You take your coffee, and we need that thing to give ourselves a sense of order. Yeah. To give yeah. ourselves, oh, this is who I am. This is my life. Yeah. No, I agree with you in the sense yeah. that there's a lot about the modern yeah. that overrates newness. Yeah. You know, because uh, that's what we've all been waiting for, the new technology, yeah, the yeah, new yeah. form of politics, yeah. the new form of <laughs> blah, 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 when it might be, how would you say, I wouldn't say naive, but it might be a bit overly optimistic to think that that is ultimately what's most valuable, yeah, right? Or yeah. we have to rethink the new in the sense that maybe we can only find the new in the old, right? So yeah. that's where the repetition is very interesting. I'm yeah. thinking about Albert Camus' myth of Sisyphus, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. he's yeah, supposedly yeah, yeah. condemned, but then he realizes that every time he pushes up the boulder, yeah. there's always a new discovery with that moment, yeah. which I find, like you say, very meditative. Yeah. But how about the politics of touch that this brings in? Because we're becoming more and more touch-averse, yeah. right? Because everybody's living behind gated communities. People don't want to take the bus because it feels gross, because you know, we might brush our skin with a stranger. Yeah. I mean, th- there's something about... Uh, modern liberal societies is very body averse, yeah. right? But here you are doing something that really demands not just bodily presence, yeah. but active touching, yeah. right? Tell yeah. us a little bit about how this challenges or rethinks where the body's going in current, you know, liberal isolating age. Yeah, well, I should start maybe with uh, wh- one of my colleagues asked me a question. What were you thinking when you're doing all these works? Actually, I was thinking just as other people think. I mean, like thinking about what would I eat for dinner or for lunch or I was li- listening to music. It was actually just the same mm-hmm. routine. But what I'm trying to focus is like to create a certain conditions where you can dedicate yourself into some certain actions mm-hmm. in one day. And then you might not feel so special when you are doing that actions day by day, mm-hmm. but over a certain period of time, when you see the result, then you f- you can see it like mm-hmm. you if you've achieved something that you you never thought that you will achieve it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Like, like our life is like now like centered on screens, you know, like it's mm-hmm. more digitalized and everything is mm-hmm. like uh, so. There's less and less conditions where we can experience the touch and mm-hmm. yeah. So for me. I like what I'm doing because it gives me a way like why I keep doing this because this repetitive works because it's a way to to connect mm-hmm. with things mm-hmm. with matter because like no matter how you how our world have been digitalized I mean like in like we have 3D printers and everything mm-hmm. we have the future reality mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have all those technologies but still we are human being mm-hmm. yeah we're body and flesh yeah and that's where I'm very very hesitant about a lot of these triumphant attitude towards yeah. technology because it's really removing 
like you say, the flesh, mm. right? Existence as it is bare and embodied, yeah. right? And it's interesting that you tie in pottery with that. So yeah. we'll touch on more of that connection in the second part of the show, okay. but let's take a break for now. I'm Ahmad Fort Rahmat, joined this week by ceramic artist Albert Setiawan, and this is Night School on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to me, Ahmad Fuad Rahmat, and this is Night School. And this week, we're joined by Albert Setiawan. He is a ceramic artist, but also currently doing his PhD at Kyoto in Japan, uh, where he also exhibits his very fascinating stuff. So in the first part of the show, we talked about how his craft is related to broader questions about material culture, especially as we enter a digital age where our contact with the world seems to be more compromised because we're more in tune with spectacles and images, virtual reality rather than reality itself. Mm. And as you were <laughs> explaining uh, your thoughts in the first part of the show, Albert, I was yeah. thinking about, because I, I was trained in philosophy, right. right? And there's a lot of questions about what's the nature of reality. And yeah. we answered this by thinking, yeah. but you said, <laughs> you, you had a phrase where you were like saying, well, if you want to be in touch with the world, you should touch it. You know, that seems to be the yeah. best answer, you know, like because <laughs> we don't touch the world enough, yeah. you know. I was also thinking about how ancient this practice is yeah. because before there were mirrors, before there were anything else, yeah. we would reflect on ourselves with these things. It's not just that we build a pot and then we put it at a house, no, yeah. but taking stuff from nature, molding it for our purposes was the first way in which we knew what being human was like, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, yeah. ceramics are very ancient. It's primitive. Mm. I mean, it's very primitive, but then you see it in, like, still now being used in many different fields. I mean, like, people use ceramics to cover the rockets, mm -hmm. to send the rockets to the outer space. How? Because, How like? Yeah, because ceramics, uh, like, porcelain, for example, is a high-fire ceramics. You need to fire porcelains in, like, 1,300 degrees mm -hmm. minimum. So the reason why they use ceramic is because it can protect the rockets from like high temperatures when mm -hmm. they pierce to the ozone and burning. I see. I see. So I use ceramics there in in rockets. There's a ceramics piece also in the speakers. Mm -hmm. There's so many things. I mean, in, in our daily life, so it's primitive, but it's also relevant in our daily use. Yeah, we haven't really totally overcome it. Yeah, yeah. we still rely yeah. on it, yeah. even for something like yeah. going to space or something yeah. so advanced. Yeah. Do you ever feel hesitant or somewhat maybe even puzzled that there is this gap, it seems to me, between high ceramics and low ceramics? High ceramics being maybe the stuff you do yeah. at a gallery yeah. in Japan, right, where it's very cosmopolitan. Yeah. You can discourse around it because of its uniqueness and say like the stuff you said earlier, handicrafts yeah. Yeah. that's being done by the person on the street, right? Yeah. Um, there clearly is a difference because yeah. handicrafts, we don't treat it as high art, yeah. but some ceramics you do. So... Tell us a little bit about the politics behind what counts as you know high ceramics and low handicrafts. Like yeah, yeah. So it's really difficult to explain. So because we need to, I think maybe think about the geography first. So where are we talking about this? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, ceramic. In mm -hmm. which part of the world we are talking about? So for example, in 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 Southeast Asia, we learn about art from the Westerners, right? Mm -hmm. So in Indonesia, the Dutch came and then they brought the modern conceptions of art, modern art through paintings. And then so we learn everything from them and then they have a different history from us. Mm -hmm. Like they already developed these conceptions of art, the high art, the fine art. Mm -hmm. Like there's this mm -hmm. high art which is actually mainly painting, sculptures and architectures in maybe in like 14 centuries. Mm -hmm. And then they consider all other things who are a laborious process is not considered high because mm -hmm. 
they focus on physical activities rather than the mind yeah, or the yeah. brain or the intellectuals. Mm-hmm. But in Indonesia, I think we don't have that much burden of history. I think that long history mm-hmm. of art we don't create the conceptions that that modern conceptions of art we receive it we develop it so like for example if i'm in 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 england for example if i'm in europe or in america so i make ceramics people wouldn't consider my work as contemporary art they may use the term contemporary ceramic but it's still part of contemporary craft i see i see not contemporary art but like what's interesting is like i learned ceramics in itb in bandung bandung institute of technology as soon as i graduate i created something that is quite unusual not not pottery right, right. something that is not pottery in shape mm-hmm. they suddenly considered oh this is sculptures or this is contemporary interesting. art interesting so i was aware of that when i graduated from university mm-hmm. and start my practice i mean as an artist i was then i was thinking about okay maybe i should just stop doing pottery and make something not pottery mm-hmm. as a strategy first strategy and then but then i also i didn't quite like the idea of making one single object and putting the object on top of pedestal and this have people looking at the objects mm-hmm. i want people to see the object as a as a gateway as a way to connect with the space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's why i was interested in installations right think right. so the idea so the process of repetitive uh, the making one object mm-hmm. uh, over and over again and then mm-hmm. spread it out on floor or on wall or making right, patterns right. it started from that yeah so you're not just making another vase or anything like that so yeah. i think what you're trying to do is innovate yeah. with the form to experiment with space yeah. and this brings me to the other topic that is a part of your interest as well uh, you maintain a keen curiosity towards religious symbolism yeah. right and there is a link yeah. between the ceramic form or the sculptures yeah. and potteries or whatever with religious symbols um, can you explain that connection a lot a lot more yeah so there's an interesting story about where in china porcelain was being developed in the 15th centuries and then it was uh, so adored by the people in europe and so much so that there's a, a term called the porcelain craze in europe people were so crazy about porcelain and then and then chinese exported less of mm. porcelain to all over europe spain france britain and then they developed their own porcelain because they wanted to copy they wanted to produce their own things and then we have the delft blue from dutch england and so on and then those porcelain also came arrived finally to southeast asia to vietnam it influenced vietnam like we we know that there's a ceramic tradition in vietnam which said a lot of influence from china and there's one in thailand also it's called the benjarong ceramics originally they only have the terracotta where the low fire ceramics not porcelain mm. porcelain and terracotta is very different because to create porcelain you need the space you need the material which is not available in nature mm-hmm. you cannot find a natural porcelain source in Indonesia, Malaysia mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. other parts of Southeast Asia. But then uh, there's one story where porcelain arrived finally in Kalimantan which was uh, actually the place where we had the first proper ceramic kilns. The Chinese brought it to Kalimantan, I think Hokkien people, mm-hmm. and then they built the ceramics. They they started the pottery uh, makings in Kalimantan. Porcelain came there and then they considered this porcelain object as a sacred material as mm. a sacred object they put it in their tombs they put it in their shrine they worship is it because it's more durable one thing but i don't think that they see it as a durable um, like they they see the durability i think yeah. they saw it as something like because it's so pure and right, white right so they see it as something that doesn't come from this mm-hmm, world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like an otherworldly materials so even like they married potters they married pots so like this one is a male this one is a female just that story where they married pots and the pots have 
spirits. Yeah. So that's why I'm interested. Like, yeah, and in, in Indonesia, the porcelain tradition never really become part of our tradition. But the red clay, the terracotta clay, the mm-hmm. you know, like the one that you see on on yeah. the street, yeah, that is actually part of our tradition. Mm-hmm. So really, really curious about that. So for me, I think I saw porcelain as representing this high end, high advanced technology. Right, right. But then it has become so materialized. I think. Even if you if we like if you look at the history of porcelain being developed in China and they export a lot of uh, it's all about business trade mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. in that area. But then when it comes to Southeast Asia, we have this mystical. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when when they arrived to Kalimantan, they saw it not as a business or not as a precious trade met- object, but they saw it as oh, this is sacred. Right, right. Even though it was just a small tiny cup, for example. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was like. Like I was interested in seeing like how the clay, how these traditions of taking digging up clay, forming it, and firing it, burn it, uh, shape it, burn it, firing it in in the kiln, has shaped our consciousness about you know like things beyond yeah. the material. Yeah, that's very interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of things are not just things. Yeah, right. We personalize our desktop. We personalize our car. Yeah. There's always life given to yes. the things around yes. us, right? Uh, never mind like commodities that are at the shopping mm-hmm. mall, right? Yeah. We always have to give it personality, yeah. right? Yeah. But the interesting part about your story is that this is an otherworldly personality, you yeah. know? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is there is this that unique? Do people have worship ceramics before? I mean, they do worship all sorts of things, right? Yeah. But why does this stand out to you? Other than the fact that it's Southeast Asian, like what other things come to mind in this story for you? Yeah, for me, it's not about worshipping the object. It's about using it as the object as a tool to remind you. Because for me, working with clay is almost like working with your own bodies. I'm mm. working on this project, mm. which is actually quite different from the one that I've been shown with mm. Mori. I'm working with raw clay. And it's still an experimentation. I'm trying to grow plants on my, my sculptures, mm. my, my pots with mm. raw clay and try to keep the clay mix the clay with compost, uh, with seeds, and try to keep it in the box where it can be really humid and the, the plant can grow. It's actually like working with clay, what I realized so far, it's like it's actually a representation of your own body, of mm-hmm. your own physicality. Well, that's the, the thing they say, right? We yeah. came from clay, I mean, the yeah, Abrahamic yeah. tradition at least. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then I was interested also, like, how can this material, which is so, this object, this clay, this material, which is so physical, so low mm-hmm. but somehow it contains something so high mm-hmm. that it can represent our own existence yeah it can point out to how our body works like when we die we decompose mm-hmm. decay goes into the ground it becomes part of the soils right like but then also it's it's so material it's so physical it's so low Mm-hmm. But then it's also spiritual at yeah. the same time. Yeah, because I think part of the spiritual experience is bringing us down to earth, quote yeah. unquote. Right? You, yeah. you know, there's always this saying in most religious traditions that you know you shouldn't be egoistic, yeah. right? So Buddhism offers a certain attitude towards mm-hmm. desire, yeah. right? So that you get and fine tune a sweet spot to your desire that yeah. you don't get distracted by yeah. other things yeah. and you don't suffer because you want too much. Yeah. Islam would say that you're just one creation out of the entire universe, yeah. God is great. And I think there's something about that. I'm trying to connect it with what you said, where, yeah. you know, your confrontation with clay brings you down to earth, yeah. quote unquote, because, well, literally it's earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that maybe is a way of, uh, I don't know, quote unquote, spiritual reflection yeah. for you, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's maybe one inroad to that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and also, for example, like in my experience so far in Japan, uh, where there's this huge and strong porcelain traditions, so the ceramics traditions in East Asia, I mean, like in my experience in Japan, has become so materialized. For example, you see this, uh, this is my personal opinion, you see one potter will create a, a very intricate, meticulous, elaborate piece of pottery, and then... He may say like all different kinds of like you know like all philosophical mm-hmm. uh, meanings or reason behind the works, but then when the works finish, he'll show the works in the gallery. He'll put a tag price on the works. Mm-hmm. It will become really really expensive. I don't mind with that, but then the artist will say might say that oh yeah why is it so expensive yeah because I spent a lot of times working on it. So all this elaborate all this very personal and spiritual and deep process has actually eventually reduced into the material, price tag, yeah, price yeah. tag and value, like, you know, yeah. like currency value, yeah. which is actually, like, it's so limiting. It's yeah. so, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the interesting, quote-unquote, dialectic in that in order for you to attain a level, high level of consciousness, you have to go through the earth, yeah. right? So I like it that you're talking about clay, yeah. As a, you know, going down to go up, and then it's you know the saying I like is like the only way in is out, right? Yeah. In the sense that yeah. for you to better understand yourself, you have to put yourself out there, live, you yeah. know. And so what you do with clay is that in your contact with the clay, you get a higher realization of you in relation to the world. Yeah. That's what I find yeah. fascinating, you know. Like, and your example made me think of something <laughs> from when I was like, I don't know, maybe there was thirty years ago. Like, I bought like some snack, and then it came with like with this little yeah plastic do-it-yourself put-together mm-hmm. kind of plane, mm-hmm. right? And then you, you make the plane. I mean, it's like six minutes or something yeah. or maybe less. You put the thing together and you have a little plastic plane and you can yeah. push it around. But I always bonded with it because it was something I made. Yes. It's not just a toy I yes. had, you know. It was something that I used my hands to make and I can see myself in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder too in your work, right, that when you produce these things, you're in more than maybe 3D printing, for yeah. example, you yeah. see yourself in these yeah. things, right? Because yeah. this is where your hands were. This yeah. is where your, yeah. your literal strain or your body was channeled yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's actually the reason why I choose to work in a repetitive way mm-hmm. because for me, like working in this process is actually quite different with like, so most ceramics will create, for example, 10 objects and they'll pick one of the 10, the best one to show. For me, I don't like that idea because in this repetitive process, Every objects are the same. Mm-hmm. There's no hierarchy between them. There's nothing. Oh, this one has uh, cracks, a little bit crack. Oh, so it, this one is is a fault, is flaw. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to show it. This, this one is not works, mm-hmm. artworks. Mm-hmm. This one is the artwork. This one is just the experiment. I don't like that idea right, because right. that's why I like to move down to you know like looking at the the factory ceramics mm-hmm. handicrafts yeah. uh, practice. Something. There's something else too about the visual that's very compelling but also very misleading right that we want to see and we think that seeing is a higher order sort of appreciation whereas doing things with your hands is sort of low because it's laborious and it uses your body the eye is closer to the mind you know uh, but i feel like this is a good antidote to that assumption you know because you're not just looking for the spectacle because right now that's what's happened our spectacle has been colonized and capitalism is profiting of it but it seems like it's an act of resistance, like just sitting yes, with okay. the clay and yes. like making the ceramic or whatever you do, like with, with your hands. 
in this craft that you have is a way of resisting that tide, yes. right? I think, yeah, I think it is actually, maybe it is part of my resistance also towards this fast-paced life, this digitalized life where everything moves so fast. Yeah, everything is more visual. It seems like the yes. only organ we need are just yes. the eyes, yes. you know, that's yes. the sad part. Like, yes. If you look at all the advancing technology, it's about putting stuff around your eyes. Yes, you know? yes, yes. So even the screen, right? Yeah, the screen. You, you look at things. Yeah, not, not, yeah. yeah. and it starts with the history of the painting in a lot yeah. of ways. Yes, right. I mean, you true. can deconstruct it that way. I right? never like painting, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, painting is great. We're just adding it a critical great. element it to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, studying, learning painting is great, but not. not I don't never like making paintings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to plug your work right now. That's currently at the Mori Museum in yes. Kyoto, right? It's called Helios. Yes. Uh, and it's an installation slash exhibit. I don't know. Maybe you can. You'll do a better job at yeah. describing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's an installation. It's a ceram. It's a. It's an installation made of ceramics. Thousand eight hundred fifty-seven pieces of ceramics wow. hanged on wall. And you worked on every one of them. I work on every one of them. So right. there are actually two thousand species or more. And right, right. I haven't decided. Mm, it's still an ongoing project. So the number of the pieces will grow exponentially according to the space, to mm-hmm. the size. So when I have much bigger space and another chance to show the works, I will create more of it because t- to fill the walls. Mm-hmm. Mm, so what what is shown now in Maurice? They gave me a nine to eight. 5.5 meters wall mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah I wanted to fill the wall with the, with the works mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it makes it hard because in a sense there is a neater connection between the painting and the photograph in the sense like if I want to know what a painting looks like I just google and I get yeah. the image but it's so hard to appreciate what you do because you have to be there it sounds like yes right so it's it hard to, I mean <laughs> that's the benefit in a sense that yes. you relate to the art because it just demands more effort right yeah, it's yes. not just like what it looks like yes, but yes. what every because it's at the end of this physical material right yes. what every one of those things that you kind of sculpted yeah. out of your own hands looks like right yes. so yeah I mean does that do you feel that that's uh, I don't know maybe a negative in a sense that when it's so hard for you to tell people what it looks like no, or what it's like no? I don't think it's a negative thing I think limitations is a good thing mm. because we are indulged in this high-end digital technology mm-hmm, I mean mm-hmm. Samsung just released a new version new products called the frame TV is like a TV monitor where they designed the screens and the shapes of the frame resemble a frame mm. where you can like put on your HD digital file of right. like wh- whatever like your famous paintings or like your favorite paintings or prints or whatever and it would look like paintings it would mm-hmm. look like papers but it's not it's not there you can't touch right, it's just right. images but it looks so real Yeah. so I think limiting these interactions with the objects I mean like so oh I can always show my works through pictures mm-hmm. but then you have to be there to mm-hmm. experience because there's so many details on the shapes because the shapes when you see from afar you see that oh they're all the same mm-hmm. you made it by machine or you know like with yeah. tools some tools no I made it by hand but and then when people look closely to the pieces and they realize oh yeah they look different but mm-hmm. they're the same mm-hmm. so all these tiny details you know like experience minute yeah. experience so it's helios that's a greek word for sun what themes does this work bring up yeah so the works consists of two shapes actually which was reproduced over and over the one shape was taken from uh, an angel in last chapter of the bible of the new testament called the seraph the seraphim it's a twin angels who represent lights and fire and purifications. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, shapes of a flower, which is actually 
I wasn't thinking about making a flower. I was thinking about okay, I wanted to stylize how the lights radiates from the centers. So mm-hmm. something that represent lights, but also maybe can look like a flower, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a mandala shape. So I combined the shapes, which looks like a patterns or monogram or something okay, like wallpaper. Okay, interesting. And then so the uh, why I choose the the word Helios because it was it's represent the sun and worship and like seeing the sun as a spiritual source. Right, right. So and the sun is always present. You can always feel this. Uh, can, you know, like people wherever they live, wherever they go, there's always this the sun. And mm-hmm. the Japanese worship the sun god. In native Indian uh, American mm-hmm. Indian also worship the sun. There's all these representations of sun god in many different cultures mm-hmm. so it appears it represent i mean like it's there and what i was thinking is i wanted to connect the religious experience or whatever spiritual experience uh, that people experience from different backgrounds so mm-hmm. christians muslim buddhist or whatever religions you are you see the works and you can connect to a more general term because religion and religious experience for me is, it's, it's actually it's it's a personal experience it's, it's very personal mm-hmm. It has to be personal. Otherwise, it's meaningless for you. Otherwise, it's just yeah. part of institutional things or like your, you know, like socials. Like yeah. Religion, religion is not insti- it's not the institutions. It's the way you experience yourself or like God, whatever, yeah, or yes. faith or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you link yeah. that. So despite the many repetitions yeah. that's produced those those yeah. things, you want to show the individual imprints in yes. each one. That's th- yes. that's really fascinating. Yes. You can look up. That work just by Googling Albert Stewan and Mori Museum in Helios. Yep. We probably find some photos of it. Really fascinating stuff. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Do you have Twitter? I don't have Twitter. Instagram maybe? I have Instagram. Yeah. I don't have Facebook. Okay. If Instagram, <laughs> what's your handle? <laughs> uh, you can type Aruberu Toyonasan. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is like, that's like, Japanese used to call me Aruberu Toyonasan. Ah, Aruberu. right. Albert, right. In, in Katakana. Okay. In, so, in yeah, Japanese. we'll we'll post that on our Facebook page <laughs> okay. and people can follow you. Uh, you can email the show too, bfmnightschool@gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook as well, BFM Night School. Just type that in the search space. Be sure to download our app. That's at the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Thanks again, Albert. You're welcome. I'm Ahmad Fawad Rahman and this is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.